0: Hello, and
1: welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hello, this is episode 250 of the Uncapped Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Sands, and today I'm joined by the fine gentleman from McClintock Distilling, co-founders Brayden Bumpers and Tyler Hagemeyer. Thanks for having us, Chris. Could you get any further away from the mic to talk? I can try. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, If anything, I would say McClintock has the um, best
0: names of owners.
2: It's powerful. Powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good German name.
0: Hegemeyer and bumpers. Yeah. I've heard the analogy of bumpers like the car more times than I'd care to admit. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: easy to remember.
0: I, I've never used that. Now you got it you in your
2: back
1: now. pocket
0: for anyone who can't figure out how to spell bumpers. There are people that ask me how to spell sands. It's a tricky one. Yeah. It could be with a C, I guess. You know, I silent
1: three silent H's or something. Well, could you spell Hegemeyer right now? Uh, no, because I spelled it wrong the first time that go. I typed it out, and then I Googled.
0: I still spell it name. wrong by accident every once in a while. If the package shows up, I'm like, that's not right. It's not the way it should be spelled. No. You should just change it. I'll, I'll let my great great grandfather
1: know that he messed up. Yeah, tell him to fix it. I will. All right. Um, so it's been going going on five years since since your first time on Uncapped because it was shortly after you opened, right?
2: I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and you're two hundred two hundred and fifty episodes. I know. We in both looked at each other. He's like, hey, he's done. Two two hundred and fifty episodes. That's of this awesome. garbage. Oh, I know. I, who's still listening at this point?
1: <laughs> I, d- I don't think anyone. Actually. <laughs> I think the two people that were have stopped. We're here right now, <laughs> so I'm um, really we're we're just wasting our time.
2: It's for ourselves. We can listen yeah. to ourselves talk later.
1: I think my mom still listens. Nice. Hi, Mrs. Sands. <laughs> With a C.
2: With a C. Yeah.
1: Um, so I figured. uh since the one person listening back then is probably different than the one person listening now, we should just start to like you guys have never been guests and tell the whole story over again. So I think the name has a cool story. So why don't we start with how did McClintock
0: get its name?
2: You want to take this one, Tyler?
0: Yeah, so McClintock is actually a guy's first name. It's a prolific inventor here in Frederick County. His name was McClintock Young. Uh, He lived a a really interesting life. He kind of had a whole range of patents. Uh, He patented everything from a steam-powered fire engine that would throw water 40 feet when he was still in elementary school all the way up until through the end of his career when he was designing things like matchstick making machines for Diamond Match, who still. Well, little... Let me
1: guess, is that why
0: Matchstick? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you guessed it. You're so swift, Chris. <laughs> yeah, and that's, so we, we've actually tied a lot of his inventions into the, some of the products that we've put out. And uh, we have a, a strong tie to him because we have some property here in Frederick that I, I grew up on personally that has McClintock Young's cabin. On it and so we kind of got introduced through to his name and his family through that
2: and a lot you know when we were first kind of talking about what we wanted to do and the goals with the distillery you know we were looking at that marriage of kind of old world and new world where we're using very traditional very classic you know non-gmo organic ingredients grown locally Um, But we're utilizing some really cool state-of-the-art distillings technology that's brand new. And that's a lot of what he did. And we found with his patents was, you know, he was taking a process like making brushes or, you know, combining grains that had been around forever. And he just revolutionized it with these really cool inventions. Um, So we thought it was kind of, you know, fate to use his namesake for for our company. Um, And it was cool because he was you know, kind of forgotten about a little bit. Um and uh now he's he's at Mount Olivet and he's part of the tour now because people have asked about him because of our company and we've met some of his descendants and they're really excited that we're using his story with what we do. So it's really um it's it's cool. It's really cool.
1: What was his water throwing? machine used for was it was the fire department had it It was oh, okay. one of the first
0: like fire truck engines huh. i think he was in like second or third grade when he designed it it's I'm, insane yeah
1: i'm kind of calling bs you, on
0: that if you go on like google i feel, patents, like, I feel like a parent did that school project oh, yeah. that's how i got through school my parents did half my stuff <laughs> i would, still wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them But uh, yeah, so all of if you go like Google Patents, you can find most of his patents out there, all of his original drawings with his signature at the bottom. I didn't realize that was a thing, but Google Patents search is a real thing. And if you throw McClintock Young in there, you can see some pretty cool inventions. And it's not really like, there's no kind of straight line. He kind of does it, he's all over the place with what he invents. Like one day it's a shipping box, the next day it's a brush making machine, and these are very elaborate machines. Like his matchstick making machine was like eight feet wide, 16 feet tall, and 65 feet long. And he has like the full drawings for this. And Every everything. piece
2: is hand sketched out. It's really, really, yeah, cool. It's really
0: cool. So was
1: he successful? Or very successful. He, yeah. Did he work someplace, or was he like a inventor that would just invent things and then sell the?
0: Both. So he sold a lot. He sold stuff to like McCormick Reaper at the time, I think. like. Did they come to become McCormick Spice? Is that how that no, worked? Yeah, different, or, different you know, just, company. That, in my brain. Well, let's not, let's let's not get the, let the truth get in the way here. <laughs> <laughs> so McCormick Reaper really became McCormick Spice. <laughs> 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 uh, but no, it's like a little bit of everything. But he was the chief engineer and I think a, a partner in Oxfiber Brush, which was a one of the largest employers of Frederick, I think up until they shut down around like 65. And if you ever have some like old timers come through, they'll, they'll say, "Yeah, my dad worked at Ox Fiber Brush." So they'll, they'll know where people who worked there. Uh, it's where the old Goodwill was that they're renovating. Yeah,
2: yeah, on Church Street, right? That they're renovating okay. into
0: like apartments right now. Uh, but it was that was Ox Fiber Brush. It was a five acre plant, and they would make kind of those. If you imagine someone in like the 1920s on their hands and knees scrubbing the floor with a the brush, they would make all of those there. They could install sixty five thousand tufts a day, which are like. The bristle heads. I don't know how many tufts go into a into a into a brush, but <laughs> that's the way that the information was presented. So a lot of tufts. And I was one operator operating one machine. And so for back then it was it's pretty cool. You're like
1: a McClintock Young Stan. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what are all of the products that are named after his inventions?
2: so the matchstick bourbon is named for the matchstick uh, making machine that he designed that's one of the documents we found was the deed of sale of that machine to the diamond match company how much did it, he
1: make uh, I don't know I
2: don't think that was on it was uh, like signing it over great to question. It, and it didn't have the money on it um, I'm sure he, I'm sure it was good I mean the diamond match company is still around today you know, one of the two companies that makes matches still <laughs> Yeah, somehow um, they've
0: cornered the market on something anyone can make.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Bootjack Rye Whiskey is actually named after a spring on the property. And uh, you can see it on the map. It's a kind of a part of Gamble State Park. So some people who have actually said, I've seen Bootjack Springs on the map when they're out there hiking in Gamble. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And then, of course, you know, like Tyler was saying, he just like come up with all these ideas way outside of his realm of expertise. So we named our Epiphany Vodka uh, in his honor as well.
1: <laughs> yeah i wish we still had video because that was an amazing <laughs> face and gesture <laughs> that you just made tyler
0: <laughs> i could
1: see it yeah so that is new information that was not delivered in the first episode because matchstick uh had bourbon not did not exist yet we had no ex- whiskeys did not exist Cut at that light. time so i guess then then Actually, why don't we take a real quick sponsor break um, and then we'll talk about what you guys were doing before McClintock and how it was that two young lads Old lads now. had big (laughs) dreams of going downtown and opening a distillery. So we will be right back. and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday? Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. All right, Tyler, how, um, how did the two of you meet? And what were you
0: doing before McClintock was... Well, when we met, we were both in college, so we weren't doing a whole lot productive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we were enthusiasts on, of alcohol.
0: We were enthusiasts of alcohol. We did do a little home brewing. I don't think anyone would have bought our recipes, but we drank them anyway.
1: Where, you went to Maryland?
0: Is nah, that right? Elon no. down in North Carolina. Okay. Wow, I was really off,
1: wasn't I? Mm-hmm. It's okay. Just a
2: few states off.
1: Yeah, it's close enough. We thought you
2: liked us, but it's okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it just feels like everyone goes to Maryland here, so I felt like it was a safe thing to just spout out. We,
2: We are both Maryland natives, but we both left for a little bit and then didn't like the outside world and came back to Maryland,
1: so. What were your majors? Business.
2: Environmental science.
1: I guess those both kind of apply to running a distillery they at least do. the business part and definitely does. I think when
0: we were in college it was still illegal in almost all states to own a distillery if it wasn't it was like 150,000 dollars a year to start one yeah. or an annual permit I mean jeez. so it wasn't exactly on many people's radar they're, they now start to have like distilling classes and stuff I know App State has like a, a degree in it so they're kind of following like the brew the yeah brewing route where yep. colleges offer we use usually they say the distilling world's usually about a decade behind the breweries It's because um, spirits are so much more sinful. They are. Very sinful. We're just trying to get people to be more sinful, and it takes 10 years. So when was the idea of McClintock hatched? Uh, We actually joked around about it, nothing serious in college, but the real idea wasn't hatched until probably we were around two years out. So 23, 24 years old?
2: Yep. So we we had, like I said, had done some brewing and that was like originally what we had kind of been kicking around is doing beer making. But I think what we always enjoyed more than beer was spirits. And once we saw that as an Avenue that was possible, because like Tyler said, I think was prior to 2009 or 2010, you couldn't even operate a distillery in Maryland without paying a $70,000 a year license before they introduced the small distillery licensing. Um, and tyler at that point it was just tyler's kind of idea and it was like maybe we should look at you know coming back home and doing up a distillery and we had a, apprenticed um at, at Koval it's a really good distillery up in chicago so you know we, we had somewhat of a background in it and wanted to go ahead and take it to the next level
1: so it's still illegal to distill at home correct
0: yes yes you can Um, make essential oils though
1: oh yeah you can um so how what is the legal avenue that people go down to like learn how to distill and become distillers well, that kind of is like a it's large it's barrier a huge, of entry, It's
2: a huge barrier of entry. And that's part of the reason we started our distilling classes and all of the educational portfolio that we have at the distillery. Because when we started, you know, we had some background in brewing and some other stuff, but there's really no legal avenue to do it yourself. You really have to work with somebody or get some actual real life experience, you know, apprenticing or working at a distillery. Um, which is what we did, but a lot of people don't have that opportunity. So, um, you know, we we do, you know, our distilling one on one classes, which is a full day hands on. You I mean, you took the course, you're you're ready to open up a distillery now, yeah, the uncapped distillery. I work, it'll be like
1: a week or two we're mm-hmm. opening.
2: Um uh so we are now working on next year's portfolio. Every year we add more classes and we have more hands on stuff and we've seen, you know, we've had people come out from as far away as like the Philippines and South Africa to come take the distilling class, which has been really awesome.
1: I think the one I took, there was like... It was a lot of distributors, but then there was also, I think there were like two or three people in the class that were planning on opening a distillery.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I think at this point, probably like a third of the commercial distillers in Maryland have come through and taken the class, which has been really awesome. Um, And we're trying to provide that and continuing education. um, I'm on the board of the education committee for the Maryland Distillers Guild, and we're putting together some really awesome classes to really take and elevate our industry and what we have in Maryland uh to the next level.
1: So the um the the courses that they aff- offer at colleges are they like full like multi-year things or is it more of like a boot camp type of thing? Th- there there are some multi- majors. They're, yeah, they're
0: they're they're usually not straight distillation, they're kind of like a fermentation yeah. bio kind of Okay. major but uh, then they will have some specialized courses. Even Braden is considered a professor at FCC. That's true. Adjunct, professor Adjunct professor for at distilling FCC, class. Yeah. So that's why we were calling Professor Bump yeah, for a while.
2: That, that works well. Um, um, I think University of Kentucky now, in the last two years, now has a a bourbon specific major. I don't remember what the actual <laughs> name for it is. Like you know whiskey and you know distillate, some science, something like that that you can get now that they've developed with you know brown foreman and and all the big brands down there i
1: guess if any state's going to yeah have go, that, go figure you know, yeah it would make sense Kentucky for- bourbon 101 <laughs> 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 um yeah that that's so maybe we'll save those questions hmm. for a little bit later but like there's that is one thing about spirits um that's very different about beer is that in the spirit world things actually have to be done a certain way to be able to call it something yes whereas a brewery can call pretty much anything that's not uh dark and actually there's black ipas so they can pretty much call everything an ipa and no one really that's that's moonshine uh, in our world yeah Yeah. everything Everything is is moonshine moonshine. everything is moonshine (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, is that is like the catch-all It's the catch-all yeah there's there's no
0: real definition for moonshine this is moonshine that's moonshine it's all moonshine
1: (laughs) So why don't you just label all your stuff as moonshine? To a certain customer, they would appreciate I that. Was gonna <laughs> I, I can't believe how many distilleries operate off of basically just selling Moonchine. different flavored yeah. moonshine. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Which is not... So, some people love it. Some people love going and seeing all the moonshine distilleries, a lot of different flavors you yeah. can get.
0: In my world, in my idea... My world's not always correct uh, moonshine is only untaxed illegal alcohol so yeah. you wouldn't really be able to make that an illegal avenue
1: i mean it's probably the actual definition that is it right? well yeah.
2: the ttb changed it but yeah traditionally that's okay. what moonshine is is untaxed alcohol. what's the
1: ttb definition
2: uh, i think it's a distilled spirit okay th- that's yeah. distilled at some random proof and has some flavor to it it's it doesn't really
0: i don't even think it needs to have a flavor because you can just have the it's like the broadest category yeah we, we oh. haven't really investigated it because we have no desire well, yeah, we to don't make moonshine so it's kind of a kitschy kitschy area
1: all right so let's go back to the two of, now tyler you grew up in frederick right yep Born and, raised you're one of those Moco, mo-co people. Moco trash that yeah.
2: moved up here. It's He's forgotten com- about, complaining that at this about. Point. He's yeah. a Frederickonian <laughs> yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. I've the... been living in Frederick for almost ten years now. Yeah. So. You're still part of the problem. I am. I am. I'm. I'm, I'm the one raising up. You know, rent pricing up here.
1: Yeah. Sure is. Get him out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how how long was it from when you're like we're gonna do this, we're, and to when?
0: you started to when you opened sure so the idea actually we had talked about it a long time and then it got rekindled when my mom actually fell off a roof my dad passed me an article about distilling and it kind of jogged it all and that was shoot memorial day Oh, I don't even know the year. 2013. 2000, a long time 12. ago. And then we were, I think.
1: Those are dots I'm not able to connect in my
0: head. Four to five years <laughs> like, of, it's what? so long, yeah.
1: No, the the dot between your mom falling off a roof and an article about distilling. Well, we were in How shock the, trauma
0: waiting room sitting there. Yeah, breezed over it. Yeah, it's
2: like, so my mom fell off a roof and I decided to start a
0: distilling. <laughs> <facility. laughs>
1: I guess I should
0: explain it a little more. Yeah, She's yeah. fine, too. Y- yada, yada, she yada. Does yada. Have some <laughs> And we opened <laughs> some screws, but it was all in, all for the all for the company.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes much more sense. Um. So then, then you went to was it? Was it was a tough sell to Braden. To? It was not a tough
0: sell to Braden. At I all. was
2: pretty drunk when he pitched it to me, and, his, and I was his, like, I was at that point testing. Uh, I was testing small appliances at the University of Maryland for electricity use and residual chemical residue, and it's about what you would, um, expect. It's as enthralling as it sounds. Yeah, So, I know a ton about energy usage of Keurig machines, if you're ever interested (laughs) in that. But I was like, you know, that sounds like a pretty good idea. Do they use a lot of energy? No. Oh, really? There's very little difference between the different coffee makers and how much electricity. But, anyways, uh...
1: (laughs) Do they well, use a lot of electricity? That. Yeah, let's no, get on this road. No, you can at save all.
0: at least 14 cents yeah. by going with this machine over the I other. I think
2: we were looking at like lifetime savings. Like, well, you could put the sticker that you'll save like a dollar twenty over the 10-year life cycle of, the, of this machine. Anyways. as a cure well, ever lasted 10 told
0: them, I was like, we're not going to make any money probably for a while. We're just going to focus on the products and it would probably be five or six years. And I quit my job, job almost like, immediately. Like the next week. I was just like, <laughs> sounds good. You shouldn't quit your job for a few years. (laughs) and then like three days later i quit my job of moving to frederick i was like oh god (laughs) so we're committed
2: to making it work so we made uh, it right away so some some lean times in the beginning but you know we were able to secure funding uh find at least one bank that was crazy enough to give us a loan and get our equipment and find our building
0: um what were you doing tyler I did was you? actually doing sales and kind of some web design, kind of a catch-all guy at a small business, and we did home exterior and alternative energy. So I was really focused on selling and installing or helping the installers with solar panel installs and wind turbines.
1: Do you love Elon Musk? Uh,
0: He's an interesting guy. He's good for the news, for good <laughs> funny news, but uh, I'm not sure if I love the guy.
1: Imagine having the power of just being able to tweet something and actually move markets. Yeah, well, he's like just, having he's just
0: his own insider trader. It's, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like
1: having more power than like the government doing something. To like one tweet can completely change the, it's, the market. It's reaction hard to day. What, the, the life that guy lives.
0: <laughs> and then he's married to whatever or dates Grimes. That kind of she's kind of an out there singer. Got a, he's got quite the little interesting life he's got himself.
1: He's What is he? He's worth like 300 and some billion dollars now.
0: It's like go, on any given day, it's yeah. up or down 20 billion. Yeah, because there oh. was
1: one day he made like 95 billion or something like that because of the... Probably because he tweeted something about Tesla.
0: So the stock shot up and... <laughs> it's, a, it's a crazy time we're living in right now. Cryptos and, and Elons.
1: Um. I... I Probably shouldn't have taken us so off course, and I don't know what to ask. Oh, um, but you guys were able to take advantage of a lot of grants and stuff because of the building you chose. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, we. Um, th- it's actually thanks to Tyler's mom was just walking downtown and found the building that we're currently in.
1: Fell off the roof right on onto... Yeah,
2: she, she's, she's a big part of <laughs> she the She doesn't the drink at all, history. but she's helped
1: us in a lot
0: of yeah. different areas.
2: Uh, and she found this amazing building, which we went down and, you know, it needed a lot of work, but we fell in love with immediately. Um, that was originally one of the first auto mechanic garages, ever, who's built sometime between 1912 and 1915. So that's, you know, about five years before the Model T was even invented. And back then, the all of the electric-powered automobiles couldn't go too far, so Frederick being... The crossroads that it was before the highways—you know, everybody would stop, get their car fixed up, and then keep going. So if you were going pretty much from any of the major metropolitan areas around here, you'd have to go through Frederick. So really incredible history to the building. We've we found—you know—it was a Harley Davidson dealership. Uh, it was you know the ideal Buick, who's still in existence. They used that as a garage for a while. It was Edward and Edward's Antiques. A lot of really cool uses and you know the more and more we took down to rebuild and kind of restore it back to its original aesthetic we found a lot of really cool things including the original ideal sign which we have up in the distillery now
1: so most recently before you took over it was the faux school yes what was the faux school like I, know, like I know what think, was the faux school? I think it Let's was, repeat that a couple times uh, and I, then leave it at that. It,
2: it was an event center, and he did like painting classes, I believe. Okay,
1: yeah, because everyone always, it actually, it's probably fewer people now. If you say they're in the foot where the faux school was, mm. like. means less and less to people yeah but that like as soon as you said that people would know exactly where it was but no one ever knew what the faux school was including myself i knew
0: like that's what it was but everyone has a different experience with what the faux school was to them to some people it was a wedding venue to some people it was like a paint and sip some people saw a camel inside there i hear a lot about a camel inside there at one
2: point there (laughs) we know there was a camel in there
0: he kept like an mg little car in there you yeah. should get a camel. I don't think he had to pay rent for like six years. It was the key to all of this. <laughs> oh, that was the <laughs> business model. Like, he's not really paying anything, so he can kind of do whatever he wants. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm not sure. We don't know what the photo school was, but he was a very he... talented painter. The guy who owned it. He actually was who did a lot of the paintings at uh, the casino up in Charleston, races and slots, uh, mm-hmm. Hollywood races and slots. Uh, like they have like some cloud scenes in mm-hmm. there, if that's your thing. But he painted all those, and they actually look pretty interesting i would never gamble so i've never been in a casino so i just
1: you opened a distillery well
0: i know sinful i had to make up for it by not gambling
1: <laughs> well i meant what like wouldn't wouldn't that have been kind of considered a gamble at the...
2: true he gambles with life not with, <laughs> not with my money not with uh my
1: yeah pittance yeah. although i would i would think at like this point of all the alcohols that like this opening a distillery is probably the safest bet
2: I would say a few years ago, I think you could have opened up a distillery and put pretty much anything in a bottle and called it craft alcohol and you could have made some good money. But it's like, you know, like Tyler said, 10 years behind the brewing industry is we're getting a lot of really, really good distilleries around this area. And what will happen eventually is, you know, it'll shake up and the good distilleries will be good. And, you know, some of the other ones will have to get better.
1: Yeah, quality will start to become much more important than it just being craft. Yes,
2: and I think from what we've seen is like the consumer, you know, part of the reason we do all of the education that we do is to train consumers to know like, you know, what's interesting, what are you looking for, what kind of tasting notes, how do you do nosing, you know, how to evaluate spirits from a meaningful perspective so they know you know, next time you're at the store, is it worth it buying a hundred and twenty dollar bottle of bourbon, or can you get a pretty good one for forty five bucks? And you know, the answer is usually, yeah, you can.
1: I, I think it was actually you, Braden, that pointed this out to me that that like in the world of distilling, it's also different and uh, more of a struggle because like was with beer, craft breweries were doing things like the large macro breweries weren't doing like mm-hmm. m- like a higher quality product yeah. more flavor yeah. be- like in a lot of aspects like a good craft brewery does better things than the huge uh right. mega brewery but breweries. we don't have that because but in the dis- in the distilling yeah. world the humongous brewer- distilleries that have been around aren't around because they're putting out just mass amounts of crappy product. They're around because they're putting out a very high quality.
2: Exactly. And that's, I think, the struggle is like, you know, for a lot of consumers, it's like, you know, companies like Maker's Mark and, you know, Wild Turkey and Buffalo Trace, I mean, they're making a very quality product. And I think... You know from a technical standpoint from a distilling standpoint like they're really i mean very well rounded there's a reason that these distilleries are you know over 100 years old and still in business because it's exactly you know what the consumers are looking for so you know when we were first getting into the industry like a like a freaking decade ago at this point you know we were looking like we need to provide something that the big companies can't do. And for us, when we started, that was the reason why we chose to be the first certified organic distillery in the state. Because one thing we saw as a monoculture with all these big distilleries is the genetic modifications and the types of grains that they were using. Because if you are maker's mark, you're buying 100 tons of grain every single day getting Monsa- Monsanto yellow dent core number two is great because it's genetically altered to be the same and it's genetically altered to grow in Arizona and Washington State and Florida and, you know, new, you can grow it anywhere.
1: So, and, and so they know what they're making exactly. is going to be exactly the same. Because
2: to... that's their business model is if you get a bottle of wild turkey, you know you're, what you're getting yeah. and that's what they're about. And so they want that consistency, which is, you know, I think that's great. I I, I still buy macro stuff you know from time to time um but i think what's interesting with the craft movement for us unlike beer where i think beer was taking over from objectively poor products you know they were taking market share from you know, bud light and you yeah. know Miklo Boltra no offense to people who like that stuff but um we yeah, v- like to like myself and tyler <laughs> um
1: but they're a very very different product right but Exactly. Like- your goal though would be to actually make yes pretty much what the right the big guys are making
2: and the challenge is how do you make something that fits into that flavor profile something that like a long-term bourbon drinker or aficionado is going to know is like okay i'm comfortable with this because this is what kentucky has dictated to me is what a good bourbon is but is different enough that rationalizes why you should spend you know 50 dollars to buy one of our bottles versus you know 40 dollars to buy another bottle of maker's mark you know so that's really the challenge in our industry and that's why you know we have really done everything that we've done to to really separate out from the stone the stone burr milling that we're doing the types of grains we're growing using local farms you know all of this creates a different flavor profile that's still within that category of bourbon or rye that people are familiar with um, but are are very unique and very different compared to the big guys.
1: That um, so you just mentioned something else I thought was interesting too, the benefits of the stone burr mill. Mm-hmm.
2: I think that was that was a Tyler find, and I think one of the most I always tell people when we do our tours, like everybody goes to still very pretty still, you know, very interesting cool stuff there. But I think for the whiskey drinkers that come visit us, the stone burr mill is the most important thing that we have because. I think we're one of two distilleries that we know of in the country right now that are using Stoneborough in-house to mill 100% of our grains, and that keeps the temperature, you know, between 70 and 80 degrees lower than a traditional hammer mill, um, which is what is the industry standard, and it keeps a lot of those more volatile compounds from evaporating in the very first step. Um, you know, the distillery that we uh, We're at before they had to jacket cool their mill just to keep the grain from being a fire hazard, which is, you know, pretty good indicator of how much friction, how much heat is being created. And in our industry, heat is how you extract the flavor in the distillation process.
1: I think isn't that is that the reason why breweries have to have their mills in a separate room. I that's a, a particulate.
2: That's a fire hat. It's it's for particulate matter. So like they usually have open flame. Chemicals. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> um. So I thought that was another cool, interesting yeah, tidbit. It but,
2: it it makes a huge difference. And like you know the if you're looking at like we evaluate our whiskeys on 114 compounds, like the amount of additional stuff that we get to keep intact with our whiskey so is what
1: is the downside of using one though because it's I'll... super
2: inefficient slow. it's oh, yeah okay. <laughs> it's really really slow because you can't just like the reason hammer mills are great and everybody uses them is you can bang through a thousand pounds of grain in 25 minutes and if you know if you're a big distillery that time is very valuable and if yeah. you're doing you know like if you're a distillery the size of Maker's Mark or, or those guys. I mean, using a stone door mill is just not it's not feasible. Yeah, it's a okay. full time job almost. When we're
0: milling, there's a guy with the mill entirely versus if we had like a hammer mill, it would basically turn it on and walk away and that thing is just gonna chew through that grain in the next forty minutes versus right. we'll spend two, three hours with the guy. Who's no more than two feet away from that mill at any time in right. case something starts going wrong?
2: And that's like, even, I mean, we're on the micro scale. We have a thousand liter pot still, and it takes us three and a half hours to mill in the grain, whereas you know, we would be done in 15 minutes if we use a, a, a hammer mill. So.
1: so, how do you get bigger then? Bigger or stones. Okay. So you just get a larger Yeah, we, mill. Just, we, we just
2: purchased <laughs> we it one. recently. We found <laughs> one. But so, there is a limit. I mean, this is like, you know, there is a high point. We're never yeah. going to be able to produce the quality of spirits that we have on a scale that the big, you know, brown form type distilleries can do. And that's what is interesting about craft is that we can do these yeah. things that, you know, uh, when it was just mega distilleries, there really isn't that, that desire to try these things, which is neat.
1: So let's take one more quick sponsor break. Um, Spoiler alert McClintock is a sponsor. Nice. They're okay. Um, during this break. How do you
0: think we got to be here? <laughs> they bought there.
1: That, that is bought not true. Letter. That is absolutely, actually, definitely not true. Um, uh, so we will be right back. Here's the cash. <laughs> I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard to find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix and match custom six pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks, they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. To all you craft breweries, wineries, and distilleries out there, listen up. Atlantic Custom Solutions is the real deal in providing you branded growlers, ceramics, glassware, and accessories like koozies, coasters, and keychains. Their high-definition digital printing, organic ink, and low-fire process ensures your brand is printed in ultra-high definition, giving you a one-up on the competition. We've used Atlantic Custom Solutions for uncapped branded glassware and couldn't be happier with it. Check them out. Visit www.brandmybeverage.com or give them a call at 434-286-4500 to learn more about how they can help you brand your business. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition, and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. So can you, um, can you go over the differences of like what the different types of stills are and what, because I I guess yours isn't like unique, unique, but it is different than a lot of other.
2: Yeah, probably the most common you would see, particularly at a craft distillery, but definitely like legally speaking at like a Scotch distillery or an Irish distillery um, would be a pot still. And that's like. When you see the old Scotch ones, just like big copper pot and the lye arm that goes over. um, That would be what was probably the most common. Um, And then, like, if you ever go do the bourbon trail down in Kentucky, see some, you know, Sagamore here closer to home is a good example of a continuous column still, which is a good way to crush through huge amounts of alcohol. And that's basically like big tower and they steam inject from the bottom and then basically they're able to continuously distill alcohol out of a big batch of mash. Um, And we have a design called the hybrid still, um, which is becoming more and more popular because of the versatility it provides. So it gives you still that hands on approach of, you know, we're able to make our cuts by taste. We're really able to dial into exactly the percentages as we're distilling it. Um, and it gives us the flexibility to make vodka, whiskey, gin, and cordials all on one system, and we don't have to, you know, put it through a stripping still and finishing still and a gin still. We can do it all on one system, which is nice. So it's it's a uh, it's pretty pretty unique. And you know, if anybody wants to check it out, we do tours on the weekends.
1: So what is it? What's the difference between the two?
2: Um, so the hybrid still kind of combines both of them. So we have a pot. Yeah. So we charge it and we distill it like a pot still where it's a batch goes in and a batch comes out, but we also have a, the top, basically the top half of a rectification column in line as well. So we can also refine that alcohol a little bit, um, more efficiently than just doing stripping run after stripping run after stripping run. Um, so we can go straight from green to, finished whiskey basically in one pass through and that allows us to get a little bit more flavor out of our mash as well as able to you know obviously the efficiency of it
1: so the you started with vodka and gin and white whiskey (laughs) you said that was like so so much pride it's our best product it's tyler's favorite (laughs) product um so there there are uh two two different ways of creating gin correct or is there yeah, more so than two there's a, there's yeah.
2: a few there's a few but the two major is like maceration where you soak all the botanicals and that's been you know that the dutch have been doing that since the 1600s um very very common
1: and that's how you would make bathtub gin yep. yeah
2: so basically with it you could not do any distillation at all and basically just soak a bunch of botanicals in your bathtub over vodka and bottle that, and that's a bathtub gin We're a Macerated or compound gin is what they would call that nowadays. But yeah, um, most distilleries would then redistill that. Um, so, like, probably most of the big houses tangeray hendrix bee feeder that's how most of those are made right? also
1: they they distill it again after
2: maceration yes, yeah. yes, or else so it'd be macerate. cloudy
0: or, or tinted it wouldn't yeah. be clear okay yeah so if you ever see gin that, that has sense.
2: color to it that's not aged. it's a macerated gin it's a okay. compound
0: gin and lipid. run yeah yeah <laughs>
2: yeah they can be a little intense um but yeah so most of them are are soaked and then distilled and that's called a redistilled gin and that's most of the gins on the market are made like that. Um, we do a, a newer way. Uh, we use a vapor basket and are still to make all of our gins. Um, when we first opened, it was very, very new. So there was a few of us doing it. We were in very close contact with each other because we were still you know figuring a lot of this stuff out. And basically what we're doing is rather than soaking the botanicals, there's this one compound that's in juniper berries called alpha-pinene. It's very soluble in alcohol. It dissolves very fast. It's the reason why juniper was used in the first place, you know, 400 years ago. And it tends to be overwhelming. And that's why a lot of gins, we get people that come in for the bourbons and say, I don't really like gin. It tastes like I'm being... You know, assaulted with a Christmas tree, and you, you don't get that same depth and complexity you get with like with a whiskey or a nice rum or cognac brandy, that kind of thing. So we um, had this basket custom built onto our still, um, where all of our botanicals go and dry into this chamber. It never gets soaked. We charge it up just like if we were making a vodka, and we distill the vapor through this chamber, and it picks up all of the different oils under pressure as a steam. So rather than this one alpha pinene dumping over and dominating the flavor, it picks up all of these different compounds evenly. And what that does is it gives us a lot more balance. So juniper is still there, but it's really much more of a base flavor. And we're building citrus and floral and earthy and spicy elements on top of it that give it a much more nuanced and balanced flavor than, you know, the the punch you in the mouth with with pine
0: tree flavors you get with with a lot of the older school gins. Yeah, when you put it up against a macerated product, the aromatics, the nosing, as well as the taste has so much more depth and complexity. Mm -hmm. Complexity. Just like Braden was saying, when you have the macerated gins, that juniper profile extracts so well into the alcohol, it kind of dominates the spirit and overtakes all the subtle nuances of a spirit versus a vapor-infused gin really allows you to taste everything, all the different botanicals that you put in rather than just juniper and whatever else can compete with how strong juniper is
2: and what another side effect we found from this is that like a lot of stuff that you wouldn't traditionally use in gin production because if you put it in the pot and then boiled it you'd, you'd burn it and it would just be completely destroyed um, by using vapor extraction we can use that and extract a different profile of Components than if you soak it, so we're able to use stuff that has never been used to make gin before, which is really, really cool.
0: So moral of the story is, if you've nev- if you hate gin and you've never had vapor infused gins, you should give them another shot. You yep. may still hate them, but it's worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. We sell a lot of gin to people who walk in and for say they a tasting. Don't like gin. They say that I'll taste everything. I don't want to taste the gins, and we're usually throw a forager gin at them, and about half those people walk out with a bottle of gin. It's a pretty good feeling for us. Mm-hmm.
2: It's we always tell people our motto is like it's not that you don't like gin It's that you haven't found the right gin for you and it might not be one of ours, but nowadays there's Citrus gins and coffee gins and you know, there's every kind of gin under the Sun out there um, And so we're trying to spread spread the good word of of gin to everybody these days
1: it Has um, I think it, it was either with you or with Baltimore spirits company or um, I was talking where like gin was really starting to have a resurgence Has that continued in it because I think recently someone said that to me like gin is starting to become like the next whiskey mm-hmm. with
2: It's you know, we like it because I think last year the three most the largest growing segments in the spirits industry last year was gin rye whiskey and mezcal. And we're two of the three of those, so we like the way that they're there and I like mezcal too. So more mezcal for us to drink. Um,
1: mezcal is just what like tequila that's not made
2: uh there's a different production process. I'm not a it still does have to be made in Mexico.
0: It's a smokier. Yeah. It's like a blue agave versus something I'm saying it wrong. It's the
2: way that they the the way they prep the agave is different. And I'm not I am not a tequila expert at all. I like okay. tequila. I like mezcal, yeah. but it's, a, so what, it's an art what they do.
1: What is it when it's, when it's made outside of Mexico then? Agave, Agave spirit. spirit. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. We could make tequila in the United States, but we couldn't call it tequila. Yeah. And it's,
2: this is totally off topic, but so much of that is really like we, the way they take care of their agaves, how we at McClintock view are grains. And that's like, it's so much about the <laughs> agriculture and the prep, like, a lot of big distilleries, stuff like you know, Milagro and you look at these mega tequila distilleries, actually operate off of incredibly rudimentary stills. And it, for them, it's not about the distillation. It's about the agricultural side of things. And that's how we try to take it with our grain, too, is it's almost it's almost more important about the quality of the grains that you're getting out than it is how you're distilling it and fermenting and all that.
1: I'm, um, I'm surprised that tequila isn't more expensive than it is. After like watching a video of labor. like how labor intensive, but there's agave,
0: much cheaper labor where they're producing <laughs> it. Uh,
1: that's a good point. But like it just looked like processing yeah. agave and yeah. like big good. knives they're using. Yeah, it looks awesome. extremely labor intensive.
2: Yeah, it it's very cool. It's definitely that's but that's why you see like the you know the upper end tequila start running you in the few hundreds or some of them in the thousands of dollars because that's. What you got to do to make a really good tequila.
1: So let's talk about. I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, like what the rules are for the different types of spirits. So there's like 70 pages of them. Where are we starting? <laughs> yeah. The let's middle. Crack open the I CFR. Um, I, I mean, I think we'll just do the the main ones. Sure. Um, does gin have. Is, is gin one of the ones that have a legal definition of what?
0: They all have legal yeah, so okay. The gin
2: legal definition um, is a distilled spirit that needs to have some flavor or character of juniper. And that's why initially, at least I was first drawn to gin, because a lot of these other spirits have very, very granular, you know, weight-specific requirements that you have to do. And it's not a lot of leeway and not a lot of creativity gin is one of the rare ones where it just has to have some element of juniper so we could do a nine pound botanical mix throw in one juniper berry technically that qualifies as a gin as far as the federal government is concerned i've certainly had some gins that i would probably classify as a floral liqueur more than a gin because they don't get really any juniper but you know unlike bourbon, which is like weight by volume defined of what I you're using. I haven't gotten to bourbon I'm jumping yet. ahead, but yeah. So that's the definition of gin.
1: The next one was whiskey, Braden.
0: It's a broad category. It just needs to be yeah. made from an all grain mash and distilled at 160 proof or higher. 190. Sorry, 190 or lower. lower. That's bourbon, 160 or higher. Yeah,
1: lower. I'm not talking about bourbon. I know, you can't, I just <laughs> wanted to jump, to I to jump. <laughs> Get closer to the mic. Yeah. So it's always
2: interesting because people always ask us, it's like, what's the difference between whiskey and bourbon? And I always describe it as like whiskey is an umbrella. Yeah, and bourbon, and is, bourbon a is a And bourbon is Yeah, bourbon is there. Rye That's whiskey is there. That's why I that order, it's a smart man. guy. He knows how to lead people through the mm-hmm. education. It's almost
1: like I've been doing this long enough to earn It's to almost like we're the 250th episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then rye whiskey is...
2: weight by volume uh, rye rye in the mash bill. It has to be distilled at 160 proof or lower, and it has to be aged in new cooperage white American oak charred oak containers. Not cask, containers.
1: What's the difference?
2: Federal regulations. Technically, right now, you could get a big steel vat. Squirrel. A squirrel. You can get a squirrel. (laughs) Yeah. So if you have a steel vat, and you have a new cooperage... Stave and you char it and throw it in your steel vat. That's right now technically an oak container. Yeah. So oh, picture a okay. big
0: giant stainless steel container with full of. I'm guessing quote, that unquote, whiskey. Well, I wouldn't be whiskey until I threw that stave in there, and then yeah. as soon as that stave hit the surface, <laughs> boom, it's whiskey. Wasn't the there's an age
1: amount, right? So for
2: a straight a straight rye or a straight bourbon, straight designation. I'm not talking about bourbon, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The straight designation is at least two years. Okay, sure. Yeah, and Other then bottled and bond is four years.
0: But you could call a whiskey a whiskey after two seconds in the barrel?
1: As long as it's touched, it's yeah. touched. the but, yeah, wood.
0: Straight, two years, bottled and bond, four years.
1: Okay. Um, so then, do none of them have like geographic limitations, right?
2: I bourbon has to be made in the
0: U.S. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yes. Is Tennessee... This is just Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee
2: whiskey has to be made in Tennessee, and Kentucky bourbon has to be made in Kentucky, but those are subcategories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you can do make right bourbon now, anywhere.
0: We have people who will push against us and say, you can't make bourbon anywhere outside of Kentucky. But Yeah, that was the one I was can. specifically mm-hmm.
1: thinking of because people always try to say that. Are we yeah. talking about bourbon now? Yes, Well, I will allow it. <laughs> So what bourbon? What is... Uh,
2: same thing we just said for rye, except for 51% corn.
0: And a lot of people don't realize that the other grain can be literally any grain under the sun. You can use millet. You can use quinoa. Spelt. <laughs> anything you want. It's a grain. Um, And th- that has
1: dictation of the char of the barrel, too, right? Just is has the to be same? charred. Oh, a, yeah. Okay, so it's the same. Yeah. And the bur- does bourbon have bourbon has an age? limit right or is it the same thing same wood thing. just touches yeah and, so two but then years that's where you and, get
2: the baby bourbons that are you know a month or two months oh yeah in. two month bourbons. yeah um but yeah straight two-year designation bottled and bond four-year
1: designation I, I never knew i always wondered what straight was but i'd never asked anyone i didn't realize yeah. that was literally just a two you know you one know.
2: thing we found once we started offering these classes was how much misinformation is out there and how much like the industry is really built to confuse you because at the end of the day their goal is to sell you the most expensive yeah. product possible when's like they all basically cost the same to make. And so by inventing a lot of these terms, most of them are just marketing terms even bourbon 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 was invented like not that long ago you know within the last hundred years it was just corn whiskey. You know, in the eighteen hundreds all they had around right. to use. And corn whiskey was like <laughs> if you want a good whiskey, eat rye whiskey, corn whiskey was like, All right, well, you know, don't have enough, this will tide you over for another week until payday comes in. Yeah. And Kentucky figured out there's like, okay, well let's call it bourbon and let's market it as this premium product. And they did an amazing job with it. And that's why Kentucky still reigns supreme in the world of in terms of how they market and sell I know, their whiskey. Yeah.
0: They're having to work a little harder to market these days. I mean, yeah. for a long time, Prohibition killed off all the distilleries and there was really only a few major players. And when you boiled them down all those brands that were out there were really owned by a couple distilleries right and so they controlled the market, they controlled the quality and in reality they're using a lot of the same grains for all these products. But now that there's craft players coming in who are spending a little bit more time on the product itself rather than the marketing, they're having to step their game up. It's We've a, taken three
2: and a half whole percentage points. Yeah, yeah, that's what we own in I the mean, market. It took
0: craft beer forever <laughs> to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, people's and favorite craft just, craft spirit is usually not a craft spirit. They yeah. don't realize it. <laughs> uh, well, what's your favorite <laughs> craft liquor? And they list something they're like, "Well, that's like, owned oh, by Gentleman, Diageo." Gentleman yeah. Jack, worth thirty billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's amazing
1: how many things that we hold is true, or just like a uh, something that we. Think is based on a very successful marketing campaign mm-hmm. like decades ago. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs>
0: yeah, seriously, I'm just starting to appreciate the marketing that was done in me as a child. The things that still like I'm still saying the catchphrases. I'm like, wow, oh, yeah. I get it now. I get why they yeah. spent so much time saying that really annoying phrase to me yeah. for two years as a child. <laughs> Turns out it
1: works. Yeah. <laughs> um. The what was the next one I had? Uh, single malt
2: single malt is made from hundred percent malted barley so that one is a single ingredient uh, single malt generally refers to as being distilled by a single distillery in one run so that's different from like blended is you can have a few different single malts and you blend them together so like johnny walker probably the biggest example of that but yeah single malt single distillery single distillation single place
0: that's also confusing. It is. It's pot for still. no
2: reason. For no reason. Yeah.
0: <laughs> can't use a column on those, can you? For
2: scotch. Yeah, yeah, for scotch and Irish whiskey, it has to be pot distilled. It has to be watered free of grain.
1: Well, and it has to be made, made in, in Scotland. Scotland yeah. and made. <laughs> Nothing real. No yeah. boxes we'll yeah. check. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you, there was, I can't remember what it is, but it's like the, the pinnacle of Irish whiskey there's some uh, in the bottle of it for, I think it was a 45-year-old or 43-year-old bottle was 40 some 1000 dollars, and there's a bar, there was only like a few bottles of it made it to the U.S., and there's a bar in Ohio that's doing a tasting that's like $2,000 a ticket Whoa. that includes that whisk.
0: 0.1 ounces of it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And apparently,
1: and apparently, there's like a lottery to be able to buy the tickets wow. because there's so many people want to buy it. Like,
0: well, we have a twenty thousand dollar bottle we can put out <laughs> if anyone's interested. Yeah, hit a t- half price.
2: Yeah, direct message us and we'll get you a ticket to a reserved twenty thousand dollar tasting at the distillery. <laughs> Private. Yeah, and it's of the white whiskey. Yeah, all white whiskey.
1: <laughs> um. So. Right now, you have straight whiskey mm-hmm. um, and the bourbon, I guess, is straight too, because it's two year.
2: Yes,
0: yeah, our so bourbon you, is a straight, straight bourbon. The bootjack's actually not a straight. We actually printed the straight labels for it and intended to age it for two years, but because we were aging that one in a 30 gallon cask, It started to just get over-oaked, aged out faster than we expected. And so we pulled that out early and had to reprint our labels and everything for it because it was starting to, it wasn't improving as a spirit. It was just getting too much oak.
2: That one usually like our barrels are between like 18 months and two and a half years, but because not all of the barrels are over two years, it does not get a straight designation. But we brought a sample of our straight designation rye whiskey that we can try today.
1: Oh, fancy. Yeah, When does that come out?
0: is it out it's a not year? out yeah yeah. yeah that's <laughs> so there's no label <laughs> Fingers on the cross what the fourth or fifth the fourth yeah fourth. december 4th for our five-year anniversary what
1: um is the name of that so is it'll it?
2: be it'll be under the bootjack label okay. um but it'll be a special release i don't want to jump ahead too far unless we're ready to start drinking some booze i mean we
1: can start drinking i i th- yeah let's just start
0: drinking yeah, i'll pour out, out some samples then um, Yeah. Um, We'll start, we'll start with the hundred and ten proof.
1: Yeah. So what is the what do you consider to be the best bourbon and everything? And where at what price point is there diminishing returns?
2: I think anything over a hundred dollars is immediately a diminishing return. I think a lot, you know, we've been really fortunate. And you're talking
1: primary. Yeah, market pricing, yeah, yeah, not through. Yeah, to, yeah. Not the black.
2: Uh, we we Tyler messed around on the black market a, l- a little bit. He likes secondary bottles and mostly like on the antique side of things. But um, yeah, I think we've been fortunate in our career to be able to try you know the Pappy eighteen and the Pappy twenty one and the Weller's. You know these rare whiskeys, and I think they're excellent and they're super interesting. Um, and they're
1: this burns all the way down. So yeah, yeah, so this, 110 proof. this, this is, yeah. This, this will
0: be a little bit hotter than our normal whiskey, but it is. Did you take fun. down the whole shot? No, no, oh, okay. I
1: was smart enough not to do that. Yeah. Because I wanted to actually be able to taste it, so I did the first sip. Because I did learn that, that mm-hmm. you need the first sip to condition, condition yep. your you palate to uh, the onslaught of things.
0: Well, I that, pulled this out of the barrel 30 seconds before I ran out the door. That was 10 <laughs> minutes late This is late as fresh as it gets. Here. So it doesn't get any fresher than this. Usually I would water it down a little bit to make it a little bit more approachable. But mm-hmm. for now, we got 110. Yeah. To Some this... People,
2: this was a really cool project so we had um a new farmer a local farm and we did some test plots of a different kind of rye varietal called a Brutzi rye
1: um that second sip is so much more palatable yes yeah
0: Yeah. the first one that uh, when you're when your first alcohol you've had today is above 100 proof uh, <laughs> yeah going from zero to 100 great. there yeah <laughs>
1: Um, and from what I, if I remember correctly, it's the
0: third one that you actually get that's to enjoy. Feel. Yeah. <laughs> swish it around a little bit. It's the 17th one that you really enjoy. Tell
2: <laughs> yeah. It's
1: delicious. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's still surprisingly drinkable. Yeah. At for how high proof yeah. it
2: is. It, it is, I think the most... Complex whiskey that we've made so far. I think it has a ton of depth to it. That's very Interesting
1: that uh, what so what will that be proof down to
2: so this will be served at 90 um, So we wanted to do it as like you could do an apples apples comparison to the bootjack. Okay, um, because it's the same the same mash bill in terms of the ratios of rye to wheat to corn which is 75 25 and um, the biggest difference with this one was we you know, work a lot with local organic farms. We like doing tests, test plots of how different varietals grow here, using different, you know, historical varietals and non, you know, heirloom stuff that was traditional for this area. So we grew this Abruzzi rye as a test um, and we distilled it and we are like, it's very, very tasty, but it's not the same as the bootjack. You know, we use a Denko rye for most of that, which is very soft, very fruit forward. This is much more in that traditional black pepper, you know, jalapeno, more like spice, bold flavored rye that most people are familiar with. So this one, we went as a two and a half year, uh, a little over two year in the 30 gallon barrel. And then we actually were fortunate enough to get some four square rum barrels um, which is this amazing Barbados rum. I'm not a huge rum drinker, but it's probably my favorite that I've ever tried.
0: Yeah, we don't know how we got them, but we've got lucky. Yeah, so
2: we, our, our barrel <laughs> broker knows we. if he's got weird stuff, he knows who to call first. So. Call um, those weirdos in Frederick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we got these in and we, we thought, you know, it was very, very aggressive, the whiskey was. So we thought the spiced rum would mellow it out a little bit, would give it some brightness, would bring some of those, you know, baking spices and that kind of flavor profile to it. And I think it melted. I mean, it mixed really well. We were really excited about this one. Tamed it down.
0: The finish on it's really clean, really Mm -hmm. nice.
2: Yeah. So I, I think once we bring it down, this is going to be a very drinkable rye whiskey.
0: The,
1: but they they do, they being like just in general other distilleries sell whiskeys that are at that proof yeah. right like yeah. you have you have high pr- what's that called like barrel so strength that's the mm-hmm. word I could strength. not think of yeah
0: which basically means they brought it straight out of the cask and whatever it was at they're not allowed to add a drop of water to it and that's what it comes out of mm-hmm. which so is I'm cool. assuming those are typically a lot more expensive than right yeah typically yeah
2: yep traditionally. We we like you know, like I said, we chose that we wanted to bring this one down. Um we are playing around with maybe a bottled in bond product that we'll be releasing in a year or two, which we'll do as a little bit higher strength. Those um, are the ones
0: that have to be at least four years old. And they also have to be bottled at a hundred proof.
2: Right.
1: Okay.
0: So And I, that the it's a one location,
1: right? Is that what the bond part is?
2: Yes, correct.
1: Yeah, one bonded distillery.
2: Yeah. So um yeah, so we wanted for this release to bring it down a little bit um, to to make it because we want people to use it as a direct comparison to the bootjack. Because like this is a special bootjack release that you can
0: yeah, easily with hold a slightly up different to. varietal of grain. Yeah, it's something like you see it a lot in the wine world, but you don't see it at all really in the beer or spirits world. Like in the wine, it's all about the grapes. It's all about the valley, whether it's the valley here or the valley four hundred yards yeah. away, and how that influences the crop.
1: The but way the, the wind spirits goes world, or the sun <laughs> hits. No one talks the, about
0: what the hell happens with the grain. No, yeah. one, no one pays any attention to that. And we think that slowly the, the spirits world will start transitioning more into caring about where the original crop is coming from. Yeah, And how where it comes from actually has has affects the spirit, affects the taste and everything like that.
1: So as you've been around long enough to have the longer age, are they just going to be like five-year boot jack five-year uh, well, matchstick or will that you have different still haven't totally decided everything yeah because you have much larger ba- like we the 50 sure 55 yeah, five, yeah. 50, is that what size 53 they are? but yeah 53 gallon barrels for stuff you're aging for longer periods of time yep. right?
2: yes um yeah and for those those will probably be special releases um, eventually, you know, if we can scale up our operation without, you know, affecting quality at all, we'll do that, and then we'll be able to have more whiskeys that will be part of our core portfolio. That will probably be under a different brand. That will be like, oh, our four-year is called, you know, Tyler's Sip and Sauce or whatever. You know, a different. <laughs> Don't tell dinner. them the name. God. <laughs> <laughs> different brand. trademark that. He's a- a- R- huge. H- a- H- 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 yeah.
1: Um, so do you have, do you have stuff in barrels that are earmarked to be that like when you're 15 years old, you can have a 15 year bourbon or is it not?
2: We have a single malt that we're trying to let go at least eight years. And if we can let it go 11, we'll let it go 11.
0: Okay. We had a guy who's commissioned us to do like,
2: yeah, his barrel is another one that will probably go for a long,
0: a long time. He wants like a 20 year barrel or something he commissioned us for. Mm-hmm. And he's already in his like fifties or sixties. So yeah. <laughs> He's banking on it. <laughs> Actually, I think he said it was going to be how he was going to rule from the grave. <laughs> 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 we have at least one person who's who is, who's putting away to, a barrel to rule from yeah, the grave what,
1: What's that? Uh, it's like King something that's like super old. King County? No, it's... Uh, I, I can't remember the details but like it's so old that rarely does the distiller ever actually get the taste oh, it's like yeah. 60 it, it it's only like it's always yeah. age 60 years the person years who distills
0: or, it is usually dead by the time yeah. it's harvested I, I read the article I can't I have as as much memory it's of like it as you King do King
1: George I, was, I don't think I'd know it if you told me it yeah I, obviously I wouldn't either um, sounds I like just they got way a, more patience than I'd ever have but it was just a, a, kind of an interesting thing where, yeah, it is cool like, you make something and you never get to actually find out what it
0: tastes like. I must be a, to age something for 60 years would require some special conditions to not have it get over Either a very large barrel or a very neutral climate or a combination of the two.
1: How so like the macro like humongous breweries what size 53 Oh, so they're all still just using uh, fifty-three
2: American distilleries. That's pretty common. Okay. Usually, Europeans go. They have like hogshead or sherry barrels, and those start getting into the really big ones. Those are pretty typical. Like when you see the scotches that are like you know 21, 22, 23 years old, they're usually looking at barrels at that scale. Um, okay, yeah,
0: But you would have to use larger right, barrels sure. than yeah. those ones. If right. you aged like a bourbon for twenty-one years in a new cooperage char three barrel, it would be gross to be honest when it Just came tastes out. like tastes straight a like licking wood Pappy
2: 22 we had that I didn't think <laughs> was very good
0: <laughs> yeah I mean you, most of your <laughs> premier bourbons you don't really see them pushed out much beyond seven or eight years and there's a good reason for it because they start getting over oaked and you're trading in depth and complexity for an age statement at that point
1: so what is the most sought after brand that you feel is worth it and isn't hype
2: I think a lot of the most sought-after brands are over-hyped. Yeah. I think <laughs>
0: Buffalo Trace puts out some good yeah. products. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I think Blanton's is probably a little overpriced, but it's obviously a very good product and has a deserving hype.
2: Yeah. I think Peer- Peerless is just starting yeah. to come up here. There's Peerless our You know, 100
0: and change a bottle. I, th-
2: I pick up one of those every once in a while. Their
0: packaging is really really nice as well
2: and they make everything you know from scratch they're not sourcing anything like a lot of the bigger distilleries are so
0: yeah it's it's hard to get behind some of them i know they have good product but i know they don't make any of it themselves (laughs) so it's just like yeah Yeah. i love to hate you so
1: (laughs) when when you get into that expensive of a bottle is there is there more than just the marketing that causes that price or is there Above Other the hundred dollar
0: value, kind of touching what Braden said earlier. Yeah. Once you get above a hundred, it's it's pretty much all marketing from there on up.
2: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's oh, some of it is opportunity costs. If you have a barrel that you have to sit on for twenty two years, I mean, yeah, you got to pay for for time. Time is more valuable than anything else. So
0: yeah, it, it's the, not to say that the hundred and eighty dollar bottle isn't a high quality spirit. Just saying you can find something comparable without busting that much out of your wallet. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm still going to go with the standpoint I'm not going to get into bourbon. Because I'd make a lot of stupid the, decisions. I mean, there there rise is yeah. a better world to get into. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> It's a little the,
0: more level-headed. Yeah.
1: So what is that thing?
2: Uh, so this is a product, uh, along with the next one, oh, we did together, uh, that we'll be releasing this Saturday, the 27th. Um, it is a new program that is put on by the Maryland Distillers Guild, um, which we're members of. It's a really cool organization that helps promote and develop Maryland based distilleries. Um, they have a lot of good resources for new distillers. They put on a lot of the big festivals and stuff that, you know, our, our people would be familiar with. Um, and they help us change a lot of the more antiquated laws um, on Annapolis. So this is a program that we started that basically pairs distillers from around the state to do collaborative spirits, and all of the money from the sales of these products, and they're called Spirits of Collaboration, um, go back to the Distillers Guild. And that goes to um, helping us change some of the legislation that makes it easier for consumers to get Maryland-made products, um, to make it easier for distilleries to open up and function and make good product in the state um, and just make, you know, everyone's lives a little bit easier. <laughs> uh, this is, we were fortunate enough to be part of the first release. So this is volume one of the Spirits of Collaboration. This is a uh, project that we did with um, uh gray wolf uh distilling out on the eastern shore Uh, rb out there uh, and his wife megan make some really awesome products they do a great gin so we wanted to do a gin with them and we blended um kind of what we wanted to do like tyler was talking about the terroir and what's local so we wanted to utilize a bunch of appalachian botanicals that we have out here and combine them with some stuff that um he has out on the eastern shore so a lot of these really more fun unique kind of earthy woodsy botanicals and then we aged it in one of our rye barrels but with some of his sassafras bark stuffed in there so it's a really wild spirit um but i really like the way it came out was
0: quite a nose it's
2: it's a definitely
0: super unique
2: but i I really like the way it came out
0: the nosing is kind of similar to our reserve gin Mm -hmm.
2: yeah the the rye i mean it a lot of rye whiskey notes on the nosing.
1: It's very, very sippable. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's quite good.
2: Yeah. It's super complex. It's got a lot going on. I think this is, um, a little more refined. So probably I wouldn't recommend somebody use this for like a gin and tonic, but this would be great in an old fashioned, a gin old fashioned would be really tasty.
1: I concur. That's really good. Mm hmm.
2: And this is, uh, yeah, we'll we'll have this available this Saturday. And this is one of one of the uh, projects where you, you know that your money is going to fight the good fight. So
1: where so where does the QR code spreading sand to? across the uh, state. It
2: actually, so it go, it talks about our the story um, of our collaborations, particularly each one of this the different spirits. will have to take you to a different story, and then. Um, somebody who's much more talented than myself put together some really cool uh, cocktail recipes. A using lot of local cocktail
1: recipes here. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, RB, who's the distiller for Grey Wolf, was a uh, bartender for many years down in D.C., so he's had some really, really cool ideas of what he did with it.
1: That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. We should have put a QR code on this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yours is a little <laughs> bit easier to understand and wrap yeah. your head around.
1: Yeah. We put some coffee and honey in the spirit.
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and it's delicious. I lo- have you tasted the the finished product? I yeah. know you yeah, It's. I really love the way this one came out.
0: My The lady at Panera stopped me the other day, asked me if I worked at McClintock and told me how excited she was about this. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the lady
0: at Panera was talking about how much she likes the
2: coffee at Dublin Roasters. They're direct rivals. <laughs>
1: so tell us about this one Brayden
2: yeah so this Mm -hmm. is our second uncapped spirit this one was in collaboration with Dublin Roasters as well
1: even though they didn't mention me on their (laughs) post
2: well you didn't mention them in yours whoops (laughs) so in conclusion we're all very bad at social media uh but uh yeah so this is we we tested out what did we test did out probably too. like six definitely did six or seven tag them <laughs> <laughs> so, so we
0: tried god it's really good what six or seven different types of coffee it tastes a lot better mm-hmm. yeah we, we ran through a, quite a bit of tests and then once we decided on the coffee we then ran through like Nitro extractions, regular extractions, ground extractions
1: but i ha I haven't had any since it was first bottled. It's gotten better,
0: yeah yeah, we filtered
2: it a little bit since then, um, no and then... I
1: had it like the finished bottle, <laughs> oh, product. when it was going in, yeah. yeah, no, like a bottle that was filled, huh. But I th- maybe it's just like it's had longer to sit with the honey and the yeah. coffee combined. That uh, very
2: the the honey definitely takes like it's a little hydrophobic, so sometimes it just takes a
1: while yeah. for it to to get into the product. Yeah, it so. t- Or it's just my palate's different from the other things being on it. But yeah. oh,
0: you just you switched from like 110 proof down to <laughs> 60 to 60. Proof. Your palate's like, oh, thank you. Okay, but but
1: I mean, I really liked it um, when I drank. It kept me up forever because I wasn't thinking at six o'clock that oh, that has a bunch of caffeine in it. Well, no, not just it having caffeine in it. I used one of those espresso oh. ice balls that I made. Don't <laughs> you look a little sleepy today? And uh, it, that I was up till like one in the morning. That will do that. it. That's that up.
2: will do it. That's not late.
1: You talking
2: yeah, I I really I love this product and I I think. Co- coffee liqueurs are something that there is a lot of bad coffee liqueur out there i think a lot of them are just made you make you know coffee flavoring and then a ton yeah. of sugar or a ton of corn syrup and then really crappy you know grain alcohol it's essentially. almost never
0: it's never sugar it's always high fructose corn right. syrup in the, in the coffee yeah. and
2: it's just like you know it's not It's, you know, it's made to be mixed in a, you know, espresso martini or whatever. It's not made to be enjoyed. And this is something that we wanted to do that is flavorful and complex and delicious and something that you can enjoy it on its own. You can enjoy it on the rocks. You can use it in an espresso martini or whatever else you want to use it for.
1: And actually, maybe that's just it. This is the first time I've had, I've like, I mean, it wasn't a lot but drank some just straight. Mm-hmm. I, every other time I've had it, I had it over ice. Mm, yeah. So maybe it's just the, not muting any of the flavors with ice. Is that the
0: ice tremendously changes the spirit? I mean, you get, you lose a lot of the aromatics once you start cooling things. Yeah. And then in addition, you're adding water to it and that just opens the spirit up in sometimes good ways, sometimes bad ways. Yeah. So
1: I'm thinking people should just drink that,
0: uh, right out of the bottle. Yeah.
1: It I mean, cause it,
0: It tastes great. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty tasty. It's going to be a problem.
1: And like counter to what you were saying is like that was made by taking high proof spirit and making a bunch of really large coffee bags. Yeah. (laughs) And letting it sit in there for was three days. Yep. Um, And then dumping a ton of honey into it. Local
2: i wouldn't say it well my, i mean because
1: yeah it was actually weighed out it was yeah, like, a I smattering guess. of honey i think um, that that's the so balance. what was it 60 was it 30 some pounds or was it 60 pounds
2: uh it was about uh we did by gallons about seven oh, gallons okay. yeah but seven gallons for a two 200 ish gallon batch yeah. so yeah. uh
0: Cigar, it's not really for those of you no, who it's aren't not trying sweet it out there. It's all. not that sweet. It's yeah. got like a nice little sweet finish. I think but that plays. Like yeah. you, yeah. you
1: get the taste of the honey. Yeah. And there's I, a, I think there's, like an, a, there's
0: enough in there to prevent it from being bitter. It yeah. Kind of cuts the, yeah. It, And that was the that was the whole, whole thing. The like having
1: an, just enough sweetness to yeah. cut the bitterness, but not to. Like, tastes like something
0: from yeah. Starbucks yeah. <laughs> luckily none of us have <laughs> tremendously sweet palates yes. when it comes to spirits and- yeah
2: and I think that was you know when we first met was the goal was let's find and this Colombian um, peaberry coffee that that Serena had um, from Dublin Roasters was very you know fruit forward and had like that some natural sweet notes to the coffee itself yeah. which is I think why we were drawn yeah. to it and like this really doesn't need too much so let's find this honey uh and let's get it a little bit but i think balance is really yeah, the key because yeah. we
1: tried what, pure cane sugar mm-hmm. um we did agave agave yeah. sweet and low yeah and we, we did it was not pretty try mutual i mean we tried <laughs> like five I mean, or six was, different types yeah. of
0: coffee we all agreed on the colombian yeah uh, it was clearly the all the different sweeteners we all agreed on honey and well, I we, think just that that
1: flavor of honey is like the actual flavor of honey is mm-hmm. what really made it. Really the other nice. ones just made it sweet, and yeah. it didn't really add anything to it. Where the exactly. honey, like, actually added to the flavor profile. Yeah. Exactly, and
2: yeah. that's a got plugger local apiarist H T Krantz, which is from Frederick County made honey. It's really really tasty.
1: Which is um, it's available a bunch of places throughout Frederick, right?
2: Yep. Uh, so you he she sells it at. Um, uh, Dublin Roasters. Um, he's going to be at the distillery um, on the 27th and tasting and selling his honey at our distillery for the release of this coffee liqueur. Um, and I think he's available a few places around town as and well. And that'll
1: be tomorrow, right? This comes out on Friday.
2: Then, yes, tomorrow. So <laughs> come see us tomorrow. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving, drank a lot of
1: espresso martinis. And what was it, Small Business Saturday? Is that yeah. what they call it?
2: Yeah, so we're doing a promotion uh because we love our community that uh, we've run for the past few years. And that's if you come down to the distillery tomorrow uh, and have a receipt from any independently owned business in Frederick County, that can be a restaurant, that can be a retailer, doesn't matter. um, We will give you 10% off your order, whatever you want at the distillery.
1: What, um... (laughs) Do you have anything else? Well, obviously, then December 4th. 4th. Yeah, so that's um, the
2: week after, and that's our five-year anniversary. You know, that's, like,
1: right around my birthday.
2: Is it? Oh, yeah. Somebody well, nice might give you a bottle uh, <laughs> of 110-proof sample bottle here.
1: Um, so, and, and it, that's just a there's no like event or anything with that so it's that's just a release that's, a,
2: so that's our release and then oh, we're it's doing party, it's our right? anniversary yeah. party so we're going to have some some music we have a bunch of vendors we have some food we'll be doing cocktails that day we might have a sneak peek of our upcoming cocktail lounge and we'll see tank. tyler's been pushing <laughs> for a dunk tank if we do that it'll be tyler and he'll be outside so make sure to i've been pushing, pushing sure for a dunk tank called. for
0: 4 years
1: <laughs> i think he's finally earned
0: it yeah
2: I think that you know, maybe for the uh, the pig roast. That's a good pig roast activity.
0: But it's not fun in the summer. In the winter, <laughs> <laughs> it's when not he's the fun breaking st- through ice on his way down. <laughs> when the
1: stakes are much higher, that's when it's fun.
0: <laughs> Hypothermia
2: is, is an option. That's what makes it fun.
0: Yeah, we but we do have the cocktail lounge coming around the corner. A lot of you know, state of Maryland opened up cocktails for distilleries. God, I guess two Julys ago, a while yeah. ago. And we
2: are the only distillery left in the state
0: of Maryland <laughs> not doing cocktails. But that will change soon here. No, we won't do them in the distillery itself. Will we you still not want getting
1: to... close to the mic ever change?
0: No. I, I feel like I project enough. I, mean, I feel like I'm deafening my own self. So... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're hopefully we're finishing that up now. We're getting our final inspections and we'll have a soft launch sometime mid-December. And Follow
1: us
2: on social media and we'll have all the details yeah, for that.
0: We'll, have a, we'll finish up that by, by the end of December.
1: Um, have you hired anyone
0: qualified for the cocktails? We are fully staffed cool they're going through training right now and thank be- god
2: it's n- neither one of yeah. us was i've, m- I've what messed I was up getting. a gin and tonic regularly so <laughs> yeah. we have somebody so many- be good because we're not making yeah them. <laughs> you have an amazing young woman who's going to be running over there who has really cool cocktails um she we just saw the the menu uh a few nights ago and it's gonna be really good job.
1: awesome um and there's a bunch of pictures of all of them that you may see someday if tyler ever opens the
0: hasn't even opened them. He hasn't even opened them. Apparently, apparently he can tell when I opened up the folder or not. Luckily, I didn't say, "Oh yeah, I looked at them." <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of a trap, yeah, but I passed. Yeah, I passed. Pass the test. Test.
1: Um, what does 2022 hold for you?
2: Retirement. Sweet. Never. uh yeah what have have we got on the horizon a bunch of a bunch of cool new projects we're playing around with um so i know we have at least two very interesting products we'll be releasing in the spring um have some hopefully bring back our uh pig roast again which we haven't done for the last few years because of um covid concerns and uh Maybe Tyler will get married
0: next year. Yeah, who knows? It's a crazy world we live in. <laughs>
1: Anything can happen.
0: Maybe Braden will get engaged. Maybe. Well, probably not, but we'll see. Who else can we throw under the bus while we're just throwing people under the bus here at the end?
1: Uh, <laughs> um, all right, gentlemen, thank you so much. Uh, happy early five year anniversary. Thank Thanks you. Happy your early this.
0: birthday. Congratulations on 250 episodes.
1: Thank you. It,
0: they were a great It was a great 150.
1: It flew by. It <laughs> flew by. I'm sure you've listened to every single one. I
0: literally haven't missed a single one. <laughs> I've looked I at even... all those fo- photos in that folder. <laughs> every one of them.
1: So thank you for uh, coming on again and telling your story again. Uh, thank you for making that delicious coffee liqueur with me and uh, letting me pretend like I know what I'm doing. You did a great job. You uh, picked
2: the coffee. Uh,
1: that was about the extent of my. That's, Actually, I that's think that's a pretty it,
2: important extent.
0: I think it made it made that I product. came
1: up with the whole idea too, right? Didn't I? Or yeah. did you? No, I did. I, I wanted think you to were do talking, a coffee.
0: Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. If no one I did. knows then yeah. I did, that yeah. yeah.
1: was all Tyler's idea. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. Cheers. 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 The Uncapped Podcast is produced by Graham, Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.